1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Welcome to Unscrewed. The show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and I've got a little treat for you this week on Unscrewed. It is, if you can believe it, the 10th anniversary of my very first book, Yes Means Yes, Visions of Female Sexual Power and a World Without Rape, the anthology that kind of blew things up and is probably the reason half of you are listening to this show uh (laughs) we're being perfectly honest and to celebrate our publisher seal press is reissuing the book with a new introduction for myself and jessica valenti and to celebrate here on unscrewed i've asked jess to come talk to me about all things yes means yes so please welcome jessica valenti
2: hello hello hi how are you I am very good and very happy to be talking about this. Is it not insane
0: to you that it's been ten years?
2: It feels a little bizarre. (laughs) It it's like both one of those things where it feels like yesterday that we came up with the idea, but also like a million years ago because our lives look so different than they than they did ten years ago. But yeah. It feels wrong in both directions. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly.
0: All right, I want to talk to you all about it, but first, as you know, We have to put you through the lightning round, so let's start. I'm a little afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be gentle. I don't believe you. (laughs) What's been making you happy this week?
2: My kid has been making me happy this week. We're we're doing a lot of puzzles. And and she actually, (laughs) they do this thing in her school that made me really happy called Compliment Club. Oh my God, I saw uh, this on
0: your Instagram.
2: Yeah, it's like super cute. So like every week a kid gets chosen and all the classmates have to write a compliment on a card about them. Like you're really good at drawing or I like your sense of humor. And then the kids like tape them all over the one person's body so they could just be like covered in love and compliments. And just, like, reading through those little cards, I was basically, like, weeping at my dining room table for a good half hour.
0: I want to do this with, like, my adult friends.
2: Right? (laughs) It was great. We should start a compliments club. I like compliments club. And, like, the best was, like, that the one from her best friend was literally, like, four (laughs) notes long, like, stapled together. That was like, I like your jumpsuit. You're really good at eating slowly. I love how much you love cats. I love how much you love cats. And I was just like, this girl really knows my daughter like she
0: really you're really good at eating slowly I love how that's like a positive spin on something people might criticize her for
2: right right and well it's also it made so clear that she, she not only knows my daughter she knows what my daughter values about herself she is always talking about I don't like rush my desserts. I really like to savor everything. Like, (laughs) and so it's something that like is, it's important to her. And so like her friend recognized that that's like a thing that she likes about herself. And so she repeated it and it was just like, kids are awesome. Why can't we be more like them? I mean, except when they're horrible, but yes. Yes. Not all kids. Hashtag not all children.
0: All right. What's the best sex advice you ever
2: received? probably if like you're not comfortable and it's not feeling good, like it's not a good situation, like just to listen to my body. Right. And I feel like that's the advice I want to give my daughter at some point, like that your body has cues and your body has ways of, of letting you know, like what's good and what's bad. And that it's, it's something that you can always trust.
0: Yes. Who gave you that advice?
2: I'm um, a friend actually like a, like, a, like an older friend in high school.
0: That's awesome. What's been making you the maddest or saddest about the sexual culture lately?
2: There's so much more than just one. I know. I think the rejection violence that's been happening, right? Like the woman rejects man and he beats her up or kills her or like stabs her. Like These are things that keep happening every day, like the rejection killings and... It's making me mad on a couple of levels. One, obviously, just like the intense male entitlement and that this is a thing. But two, also the media response to it and the lack of ability to classify this as misogynist violence. As a hate Um, crime. As a hate crime, right. Exactly. It's one of those things I'm like, why aren't we counting these? Why aren't we categorizing these? You know, in the same way that we do studies and keep statistics on domestic violence, why aren't we keeping statistics yeah. on, on rejection killings or rejection violence? And so that's what's got me rubbed up. Yeah, that
0: is uh, valid. It's a big one. It's a big one. What is the biggest myth you once believed about sex but don't believe anymore?
2: The biggest myth? That only, like, loose girls, slutty girls gave head. That was the thing. <sighs> That, where did like, you get that impression? I got that impression from my, my mom. My uh, mommy. Well, we love yeah. your mom, but. I, I love my mom too, but yeah. Nobody's perfect. I think it was one of those things where I was like really young and I was like, what's a blow job, right? Like uh, I was yeah. asking like what that is. And the response was like, it's something whores do. You know, it was like a really intense. <laughs> Which <laughs> with no, an was, extra like, dose
0: of like whore phobia too. Like, right. Nice. Exactly. Exactly.
2: So yeah, it was, like,
1: right.
0: that was a bad one. Yeah. Last question. Who's someone who's doing really brave work to unscrew the sexual culture that you want to give a shout out to? Um,
2: I like Alana Massey a lot, who is a writer and a former sex worker, and, and she writes a lot of pretty fantastic stuff and is also just really terrific on Twitter. So I like her a lot. Excellent. See, you finished the lightning round. I, I, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> Honestly.
0: I never didn't believe in you, Jessica.
2: Oh, thank God.
0: So, uh, can we start our conversation with a little walk down memory lane? Yes, please. Do you remember, I mean, I know you too, the night that we conceived yeah. of our book baby together?
2: Yes, and it's sort of amazing that we remember because we were very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, just to be clear. We were drinking
0: tequila straight from a bottle, and I had been working, like, nonstop for a month to yeah. make the WAM conference happen, so I also was not only super drunk, but also deliriously tired.
2: Right. I remember being super drunk, and it was an after party, like a wham after party, in a hotel room where we had somehow fit like (laughs) fifty conference attendees into someone's hotel room. And I also really remember—I don't know if you remember this—that like someone had like brought a box of chocolate, and folks were eating it across the hotel room bed, and it it was like melted and like spread across. I do not
0: remember that. Yeah,
2: it was like a really bad situation.
0: (laughs) I remember you said to me, we were hanging on the bed, and you said to me, Brooke Warner, who edited, I think she edited Full Frontal, is here, you should pitch her a book. And I said, Samita took my book. (laughs) Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Because I had been thinking about writing a book about, like, dating while feminist, and Samita had Mm. just sold Outdated, not yep. just for the record. I don't feel like Samita like stole my book idea for me. I just mean I couldn't sell my book idea because somebody beat me to yeah, it. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, love to Samita. And then you just had that article come out, which I guess we probably should explain. <laughs> That's the one piece of this I'm exhausted of talking about. But I had written. Well, what do you remember about it? Because I'm tired of talking about it.
2: Well, someone had written an article for women's e Is women's e news still around? I'm just, is, is that a sort terrible question? Of,
0: it's under new management. It is still in existence, but I don't know that much about what it's doing.
2: Okay. So, there was like women's e news was like around and it was like feminist, bloggy, bloggish. It wasn't like not a blog. But blog-y. it was also sort of
0: newsy, like reporting also.
2: Yeah. It was reported news. But they have this opinion piece. Um, and I, I remember the time it was like women sidle up to barroom risk. Yes. And right and the accompanying picture was like a woman in a miniskirt at a bar and it was very victim blamey and sort of typical and you know we saw a lot of articles like that but not on feminist sites right and so it was just like very upsetting and then you wrote a response piece that people really loved
0: well the way that came to pass because i wasn't really like an online writer at the time mm. i was running women action the media and We had this listserv, and that original article blew up the listserv because it split generally along generational lines, although not cleanly. But a lot of folks on the list were like, how can this horseshit be printed in a feminist publication? And then there were this other group of folks on the list who were like... I don't know. We do have to tell women to be careful. <laughs> like... yeah, yeah, that's right. I and remember. it turned into this crazy argument. But I was a moderator of the list. And so I had a policy where I did not get involved because I had to call balls and strikes on who was violating list policy. And I didn't want to be seen as biased. So Rita Henley-Johnson, rest in peace, who was the editor and founder of Women's E-News, mm-hmm. called me up. And because I had not said anything, she assumed – I think I had, it moder- I had told her she was across the line about something – Mm. And she assumed that I was on her side in principle. Uh Uh-oh. And so we got into this heated argument, like a yelly argument, for like 20 minutes about the issue, at the end of which she said, well, will you write something for me?
2: I mean, that's a good end to an argument. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Props to her, because it certainly wasn't her position, you know? Yeah. And so I wrote this piece, and it went the 2007 version of viral. Yeah. Yeah. Which was basically about, like, how do we talk about rape and alcohol without blaming women?
2: I mean, unfortunately, we still need to have that conversation.
0: But. <laughs> Exhaustingly so. Yeah, so I had written this thing and you said to me back in The Drunken Party, you just wrote that thing. You know, it's been like 10 years since transforming a rape culture. And there's all this discourse on all over the feminist blogosphere about changing the way we talk about sexual violence. We should do a new anthology. And I was like, okay. And you literally called Brooke over and were like, we want to do this. And she was like, yes. It's pretty funny. And literally the next day, I don't know if, I'm sure I've told you this at some point, but like, I didn't want to run into either of you two the next day because I was certain you were going to be like, oh, what are you talking about? You thought that was serious? (laughs) We were just fucking around. (laughs) Like. i was so terrified of like losing the dream right and i also found out later actually that brooke had been sent there with marching orders to one of the one of the people she was trying to recruit while she was there was me because my article had been of course passed around the seal offices but of course i had no idea so the thing i love about that story is like that's how the boys do it right we did literally that's exactly a right backroom yeah. deal at a party yep and i feel like fuck yeah we did it like that
2: Yeah, that's why you should. I mean, I say this now, even though I like never go to parties or (laughs) anything anymore. But like, it's good. You should be going to those after parties and conferences. That is where the the magic magic deals happen.
0: The most important thing of literally any gathering is like meeting and connecting with people. And you never know when it's going to pay off. That's been true in my life over and over and over again. true so we we conceived a baby together one drunken night consensually of course (gasps) the other thing i most remember about the process of making the book is that we didn't have like really big hopes for it like like oh yeah neither one of us thought it was going to become a big cultural text touchstone i remember vaguely having a conversation with you like well it'll come out and hopefully it'll affect discourse on the left a little bit and that will like have ripples out into the larger culture, right? Right.
2: Yeah. No, I remember feeling like, let's get it on some curricula. Well, you know, let's and for me at the time, I think the the biggest thing was it felt like there were so many good pieces coming out online. But because of the nature of of blogging at that point, it was like there one day and forgotten about the next. Yeah. Like we really wanted to create something where people would remember what these, you know, amazing feminists were talking about and and saying about sexual culture and, and rape culture. Um, but yeah, we didn't have like huge aspirations for it.
0: Yeah. And so many of the people in that collection were folks who were writing in the feminist blogosphere, either as yeah. bloggers or sometimes like in the cases of Thomas as commenters. That's right. You know, it wasn't... It was, like, 50-50, like, we reached out to people and we took things for the open call. Yeah. But it was, like... It really was of that moment. It makes me a little nostalgic, yeah. Oh. There's so many more levels of bullshit now. I mean, not that there wasn't, like, tons of bullshit in the feminist blogosphere days, but...
2: It was just different bullshit. It was
0: different bullshit. It was less bureaucracy, anyway. Yeah. When did you no it was blowing up
2: i don't remember if it was like the sale i feel like we got like so much good reaction online i remember that and i remember for for both of us i think our speaking requests oh went way
0: up. i mean mine went from zero to right. <laughs> existing yes
2: Right. I feel like all of a sudden, we were both getting these requests to come speak on college campuses about about the book. And I think folks were just really excited to have a new language for consent, and specifically the idea of enthusiastic consent, which was really new.
0: It was. I mean, obviously, it had been pioneered at Antioch in the early 90s. -hmm. But then it had fallen, you know, it was... Yeah, it It became a joke. They were ahead of their time. And it didn't take then, And so most people were we i would never claim that we invented it but but people no, were not familiar with it
2: right and I, I do think i will say like to give us some credit i think that like what we did right was through the essays and through like the amazing contributors was make that idea a bit more accessible and modern and like make people understand what it really meant because it had been so disparaged right like it it had become sort of a punchline over the years well
0: i think not just modern but also i feel like we really took what was already happening and as you said an online discourse but made it plain that of the transformative possibilities of talking about affirmative Mm -hmm. consent that it's it's not just a a contract based rule right right it's actually a philosophical shift in the way that we conceive of sex and that when you limit it to be like something where you need, like, a notary public to touch my left breast, like, which was sort of what the joking was about when Antioch happened, mm-hmm. that you miss, actually, the deep and transformative power of affirmative exactly. consent, which is actually about humanizing sex and saying that we're, mm-hmm. each of us responsible for our sex partners, which is even now, you know, and and I guess we probably now's the time to talk about everything mm-hmm. that came from there, but, like, even now is not as popular an idea as I wish it were right
2: like that we're It's not as popular as we wish it were but it's pretty fucking popular. I mean the idea that yes means yes would be a part of mainstream discourse that was not ever on our mind. Oh my god. So like it's Can I tell you
0: I don't know if I ever told you this but the day that we were named to the Publisher's Weekly Top 100 Books of the Year list, yeah, I was driving home from this horrific date with the guy I'd met online. And it was, like, out in Western Mass, so I had this long drive home, and it had gone terribly. And I, like, stopped to get something to eat, and I checked my phone, and I saw some kind of, like, a Google alert, I think, probably, yeah. that I had set for Yes Means Yes. And it said something about Publisher's Weekly Top 100 Books, and I thought oh, how cool. Like, somebody saw the PW list come out and they made their own list and we're clearly on that person's (laughs) list. Really? That's literally what I thought it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's super nice. And I clicked through it and I literally couldn't make my brain make sense of it. Like, it took me the longest time to understand that it had happened.
2: That's amazing. I love that.
0: (laughs) So I definitely never imagined that there would be, like, laws named after it.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, with all the, the stuff, I've done and that we've done over the course of the last decade that's what I'm proudest of you know what I mean like the way that that took off and the role the sort of ushering role that we played in it definitely makes me the proudest
0: yeah I mean I feel like when I think about social progress when I think Mm -hmm. about like accomplishing things in the name of social progress I think about adding a brick like to a path right like sure or to I mean I don't walls are a terrible metaphor these days but like to a to a structure that is strengthening us all right and and it feels like we added quite a few bricks that people have since built upon in myriad ways yeah and that makes me feel so happy and you know and we built our brick on top of other bricks that people had already built mm-hmm. right and that's why I like
2: that metaphor it's not like
0: Oh, but, I did the thing all by myself.
2: No, yeah, it was part of a bigger thing, and I also think that we were so part of it was luck, and part of it was strategy. That like, it, that the book was so connected to online spaces. I spoke to and have met so many young women who really learned about rape culture and enthusiastic consent through like from Yes Means Yes essays that were. Pasted on Tumblr, right? Like, it was not like they were not learning about it from school. They were learning about it in online spaces. And I think, like, the connection that all of our contributors had to the feminist blogosphere made that happen.
0: Oh, for sure. Although I would not say that that was strategic on my part. It was like the only thing I knew how to do. Like that was the discourse <laughs> I was part of and it made sense right, to me. Right. But it wasn't like, oh, this will be a very smart way to strategically get this message out. It was like, here are the people right. who are smart on this issue whose writing I like. like you know, mm. Maybe it was more strategic on your part. I'm always a little. You are. I was, <laughs> I'm like a little hustling.
2: hustling You're an excellent businesswoman. Thank you.
0: I always want to take lady business advice from you.
2: (laughs) You can always have it. What do you want to talk about? Should we talk about the the laws or? I mean, it's, we could talk about the laws. The laws have been sort of incredible, though. I still get, for I don't know if you saw this thing the other day about Minnesota and the marital rape thing.
0: Oh God. Yeah. Why don't you explain it?
2: In theory, marital rape is illegal in Minnesota <laughs> and has been for, you know, a while, but apparently there was this like acceptable defense and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to explain it completely properly. But, like, basically, if a man raped his wife by drugging her, I think it was, he could argue, well, she agreed to be in a relationship with me, so, like, that's not really rape. And they actually, like, there was a case of a woman this happened to, and her husband, like, didn't go to prison. Yeah. like, wasn't... So, he would have to, like,
0: for The the language is, like, forcible. I I sort of hate the conversation about force, because it, like, we have to define what that is. But he would have to, like, seize her while she was fully conscious and sober... And, like, force his way on her. But if right. she's incapacitated and unable to consent and right. they're married, then he literally cannot rape her. Right. She's so unra- the- She's unrapeable.
2: Unrapeable. So the fact that these sorts of things are still on the books. Well, and it seems like
0: that's true in, like, a bunch of states when I was reading yes. coverage of that. Yes. As well yeah. as the thing that I like to bang on about, that listeners of this podcast will have heard me bang on about this. There are quite a number of states where it's perfectly legal to, quote unquote, finish if sex starts out as consensual, but a woman yes. decides to withdraw consent. And yes. at some point, while their intercourse is already happening, says, I want you to stop. There are a number of states where that is not illegal.
2: I know that that like in Maryland, that was a, a big thing and it just became illegal, like think in 2009 but yeah it was it was ridiculous and what was really insane to me or or really bizarre to me was in maryland in particular it was based on this like old 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 law around once penetration has occurred Yeah, you can't unring a bell basically right the damage has been done yeah you can't unfuck her so go ahead so go ahead and finish yes and outside of being so like morally reprehensible it just also completely defies common sense because who else besides a rapist would continue to have sex with someone who did
0: not want to i mean definitionally, no one right literally by definition no one right but that's what i mean when i say affirmative consent is a moral philosophy right Right. because in that instance that way of thinking does not conceive of sex in which we're all equally human and our responsibility is to take care of each other right it's really conceives of women as property right like is that can be that once it's damaged the damage is done right like that gets damaged by men's penises it's so absurd it is and i feel a little lately and i wrote about this for refinery 29 in the fall they did a great consent package i feel like a lot of the recent years discourse about yes means yes has been about rules right because mostly those battles are happening either on individual college campuses or about states passing laws regulating the standards college campuses need to use so like in illinois and new york and california etc uh connecticut i think is the other one right and i'm always glad that those debates are happening right like i want yes means yes to be a legal standard fucking everywhere but i think that some of that discourse has flattened what we Mm. really meant and we're talking about in Yes Means Yes. And one of the things that I'm hoping that the re-release and our new introduction, the new edition of Yes Means Yes will do is sort of remind people that this is about more than rules, Mm. right? It's about Mm -hmm. ethics and morals, right? About the moral way to have sex. Right. Because you see... In response to the Yes Means Yes discourse, it's happened less in the last year or so, but there was a period of a couple of years where, like, every couple of months somebody else would invent a consent app. And it would always make me apoplectic because the nature of a consent app, again, I think definitionally is to misunderstand how consent works because all of these consent apps say, we consent to sex, yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. That's a deep and profound philosophical misunderstanding of what consent is, which is saying you have to pay attention to the humanity of your sex partner the entire time, right? There's no app for that. There's no fucking app for that. There's no shortcut for it. There's no tech for yeah. it. You have to recognize that that person is human and pay attention to them. And I feel like that part of the discourse. Hasn't been as popular lately And that part is what I want to shake up again Yeah
2: honestly I think part of that is Trump And the fact that like We went back to this place of like Pussy grabbing good or bad Locker room talk like I feel like We were in a place like a few years ago where we were starting to feel a little bit more hopeful and, and having these progressive conversations and these forward-thinking conversations and now we're back in this place where where folks are feeling like they need to be on the defensive again and you know sort of convincing people of the most basic 101 level like sexual harassment bad stuff
0: you should act before you do something sexual to a person right like, ask right. first
2: but I think that the thing is and why what you're saying is so important is that actually like the deep philosophical ethical questions are the answer to all of those things. And framing it that way is the most helpful. I don't think we can go back to a place of being on the defensive and and, and engaging with these like, bad faith, you know, 101 level bullshit scenarios that everyone knows are wrong, right?
0: No, and, and we lose if we do that. Also, I mean, one of the things that You know, when a book blows up like that, it's Mm. a bunch of things. It's luck and, you know, like, it's – yeah, zeitgeist is zeitgeist, right? But um, I think one of the things that helped people to connect to Yes Means Yes and fueled the desire to connect and and share the message of Yes Means Yes was that it's not just a book about what we're against, right? Like, and a lot of previous rape culture discourse was about what we were against. Mm -hmm. And it was about, like – what we envision the world that we're working toward to be like, what we're we're working for.
2: Exactly.
0: You know, which is why it's not just a world without rape. It's female sexual power and a world without rape, right? Right, right. And so I think that when we get down to that, like, super boiled down rules-based idea of yes means yes, we lose the vision part that actually is what people get really excited and inspired by, too. Yeah. That's totally right. What
2: are you hoping for the next 10 years if Yes Means Yes? Oh, my God. Just on a practical level, I would love to see more policy and legislation, like actual state level policy, but also colleges being a little bit better. I would love to see Yes Means Yes high school curricula.
0: Ugh. Do you ever go speak in high schools or do they just not invite you?
2: They don't really invite – I'm actually going to go speak – I'm going to, like, speak to a feminist club in a high school, right? Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I'm excited about it. But it's – but that's not the same thing as – Yeah. I feel like the high
0: schools Google me and then that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I think – there was, like, this group 10 years ago or something like this. I think it was called the Miss G Project. And they lobbied and got Ontario to make gender studies, like, to make, like, feminist studies – a requirement in high school. <gasps> that's so groovy. That I feel like if I wasn't writing, if I like started my dream nonprofit, I think like that's what it would be.
0: I think my current dream, although not a nonprofit, is a project mm. to get down and dirty with the politics of how sex ed is taught. That would do a lot of the same stuff that I mean. Obviously, sex is a more narrow or slightly different conversation mm. than gender studies, but. We probably are getting at similar aims just from different places.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Because I think if you had really good sex ed that obviously taught affirmative consent and emotional literacy and, like, how to deal Mm -hmm. with rejection and, like, all of that stuff.
2: And porn literacy and digital literacy.
0: Amen. Amen and hallelujah. That you actually really could make some real cultural transformation. Again, I'm not going to talk about that too much on this show because everyone who listens has heard me talk about it at NLCM because yeah. I'm obsessed with sex ed at this point. But I really no, but feel like that's a big piece huge. of the puzzle and we need to figure out how to deal with it. I'm in. I'm into it. Groovy. Should we talk about the other book, Baby, we're having together a little before we wrap up? Yes,
2: let's do it. You go. Me go? Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing, Jessica? What's going on? I mean, I think it, it, it really came up because of the 10 year anniversary, right. Of yes means yes. And we felt like we wanted to have another forward thinking conversation, drawing on the amazing work that's already being done and think about what's next and what needs to happen. And so we took this idea of believing women. And again, like, as you said with yes means yes, like not in the most like literal everyday sense, but as a moral practice. Yes. Right? And what and does specifically that
0: look like? believing women about the violence we are forced to endure. Yes, exactly.
2: And it certainly couldn't have come at a better time.
0: Oh my god. It was a little crazy because we were in the throes of editing most of the essays during the mm-hmm. Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. And that was really fucking intense. Like really people hard. were turning in their drafts or like actually more often calling up and being like Can I have an extension because the Kavanaugh hearings? We were all like, yep, us too. So, of course. Yeah, it was hard. It was really intense to be working on that particular issue with that particular moment. But I'm so excited about it. There's such visionary stuff in there. I don't know if it's too soon to tease some of them. but I don't think we should. All right stay tuned at some point it's good be...
2: it's all very very good and it's I, amazing
0: and our contributor yeah. list is amazing but even more than that the essays
2: themselves will like blow your head off i mean they really will that's not like blowing smoke up anyone's ass I no think i mean i'm saying that because they blew pretty my head remarkable. off yeah yeah they're pretty remarkable
0: yeah, so that's coming out in October, which obviously y'all will be hearing tons more about before then, I promise. Yes. And I assume, Jess, you'll be happy to come back on the show to talk about it when it happens. Always, of course. Yeah. So let's wrap up by talking about what are some of your favorite Yes Means Yes memories? Oh my
2: gosh. I think it's just the longevity of it for me that it's like one of those things that I still get emails about 10 years later that I'll still hear and not just hear from like, you know, women in their twenties or thirties who read it then, but like teenagers who are finding it now. And that has been what's really important to me. I think about the book.
0: Yes. I think about two things. I think about when the first legislation in California Mm. was introduced Sure. And how I thought, that's amazing. They're introducing legislation named after our book and it'll never pass. But how delightful. And then learning yet again to not underestimate the power of this idea (laughs) when it passed. Right. Like, yes means yes is constantly teaching me to not underestimate it, (laughs) even though I believe in it so much. I don't expect other people to get it. But then I also on a micro level think about I just have never let go of this there was a period of time when I was doing a lot of orientation talks.
2: Right, I remember.
0: Uh, which was so fun. I love doing that. If you ever want to hire me to do your, an orientation talk at your college, I will do it in a heartbeat. And I remember after it, getting this email from this guy, this, you mm. know, 17, 18 year old young man who said that he was really stressed out about starting college because he was a virgin. He was super inexperienced. Mm. I think he had maybe kissed somebody once. And... He was feeling all this pressure to perform, right? Like, what would people think of him? And after hearing about my talk and hearing about affirmative consent and enthusiastic consent and all of the philosophy that goes along with it, he realized that it was okay and that he could just tell whoever he was with that he was nervous and inexperienced. And if they didn't respond well, that was not a good partner for him.
2: That's amazing.
0: And I was like, that's like all I needed my whole life. That's <laughs> totally amazing. Yeah. Is like to make that one shift. Right. It's a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. It has so much power. It has been an honor being a book co-parent with you.
2: Oh, same.
0: I'm excited about our second child.
2: Well, let's hope we love it as much as the first. I
0: mean, you can never compare the way you love different children, or at least that's what I'm given to understand having zero children.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I sort of feel like some parents maybe like one kid. Do better. Some parents
0: like one kid better. Is that why you had only I one?
2: The- <laughs> I know. I only have the one so I can't judge, but I'm always curious. I'm like, oh, maybe.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see. I definitely am super in love with our new baby.
2: Yes, me too.
0: Where can people find you and follow your work? What do you have coming up that we haven't covered? Like give us all
2: the deets. I mean, I'm on, unfortunately you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> every day. I'm on Instagram on on all those things and I'm working on a new book called The Misogynists. Yes. Uh release date TBD. All
0: right. Probably 2020.
2: Yes. Hopefully very early 2020. Got it. Excellent. I'm
0: excited for that one.
2: Thank
0: you. Uh, And folks can find me on Twitter at Jacqueline F and on Instagram at Jacqueline Fable and on my website at JacquelineFriedman.com It's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N dot com. You can find Unscrewed wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you are not already, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And also please give us five stars. Give us a one or two sentence review you know i ask this every week but it's because it helps other people discover the show and i'm constantly trying to reach new people so if you think the show is great that is a great way to share it with other people you can also just literally recommend it to people that is also great unscrewed is produced by yours truly jacqueline friedman and edited by the amazing natalia rodriguez our in and out music is by the pink tiles and our cover art is by nicole de and was developed in collaboration with the establishment Who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.